return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. ...of you, to who we really are in union with the magnificent Jesus. And take us, Lord, to the next level, from glory to glory from faith to more faith, from grace to more grace, from strength to more strength. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. So I'm continuing on our theme of (coughs) renewing the mind. Truth is, we're constantly, we're always renewing our mind. You know that, right? Because we come to these conclusions. We come to these conclusions based on our past experiences and I'm talking about every single area. Like you can, you can decide, well, I'm a disorganized person. And you can just conclude that's who you are for the rest of your, your life. No, we can't do that. We have to keep changing. We have to keep renewing our minds. We can um, come to conclusions based on things we hear or see or read. Or words that people speak over us. That's a big deal, friends, what people say. And take, for example, the 12 spies. Every single one of them, every one of them grew up in the exact same environment. Every one of them experienced the amazing crossing of the Red Sea. What was that like? Eating manna from heaven, drinking water from the rock, the quails. I just, whoosh, all of a sudden there they were. All these miraculous things. And yet... They heard God's commands. They heard his promises, all 12 of them. But 10 of them, remember, after they saw the promised land, they all concluded, we can't do this. It's not possible. It can't be done. We're too little. But two of them, two of them dared to see the blueprint of this mighty God on their heart and in their mind. Two of them believed, yes, we can do this because we've got mighty God on our side. Hallelujah. He's able, he's mighty, and he's faithful. So, like I said, we're always coming to these conclusions. We decide always what we're going to believe. Will we agree with our past, that our past determines our future? I don't think so. Will we believe and step into what God says? That's where we should be, right? Will we succumb to all those self-limiting thoughts that bombard us daily? Or will we choose to believe what God says about us? Will we agree with heaven's definition of who we are or hell's definition of who we are? And of course, God wants us to think his thoughts, not only about ourselves and our amazing God, but about each other, other people in our lives circumstances, even the circumstances in our lives. So what are we doing? We're focusing on bringing our thinking into alignment with the living word of God. Now, Levi spoke a few weeks ago about this matter of perfection in our spirit. You know, little phrases like, uh, I'm a sinner. 
Well, we used to be, but we aren't anymore. I'm not perfect. That's not true anymore. Now our spirit man is perfect, faultless, blameless. When God looks at you, he doesn't look at and notice all your weaknesses, all your failures, all your inabilities. No, he's looking through this filter of righteousness, perfection, blamelessness, glory. Hallelujah. We have the perfect one in us, the champion of Calvary, the light and force of life himself. But it's our souls, right? Our minds, our wills, our emotions that need to be transformed and therefore we have the scripture. It's a command, really. It's not an option. God doesn't say, well, if you get around to it, if it works out in your busy life. No, he says, get this done. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Have you touched on the perfect will of God yet? Well, some of us have touched little parts, right? But we're never going to see all of this good, all of this acceptable, all of this perfect will of God until we get this done. And it's a lifetime process, guys. But we're trying to get our minds renewed to think like God thinks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This process then is what? It's the invasion of truth. The permeation of God's thoughts, time spent in his presence. You realize that that's also transforming, don't you? Because you're going to have an opportunity in less than an hour, right? To behold the face of Jesus in worship. When we adore him and we gaze at him, there's a transforming that happens. We take on some more of his glory and of his grace. Time spent in his presence, beholding Jesus. Time spent in his word, discovering who God really is and who we really are. We've been setting that focus for months now. Number one, we desperately need to know that God is good. He's gracious. He's yearning to pour out his favor on you and you and you. Yearning. Looking for opportunities. He's not mad at us. He's not holding out on us. He's already supplied everything we're ever going to need for life and godliness. Can we read it from the Passion Translation here? This is Second Peter 1, verse 3. From the Passion Translation, everything. Look at that. That's a pretty inclusive word, friend. Everything we could ever need. For life. That's including health. That's including protection. For godliness. For complete devotion to Christ has already been deposited in us by his divine power. All of this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by his name. And invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his Goodness, hallelujah, everything that we're ever going to need to overcome in every situation has already been given to you, planted in you. Joel Osteen was talking this week about um, this eight-cylinder vehicle that he got so he could go up into the mountains. And something about these 
I guess it's just usually the six cylinders work until you start climbing, 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 and then all of a sudden these other two cylinders, you can kind of hear them kicking in. And all of a sudden you got all this new power. Well, you might not realize how much power you really got in you until you get into a certain battle, a certain thing that is there, but you've got what it takes, friends. You've got all the power of Christ in you, no matter what you face. Just like the Israelites were told, go in and possess the land. Yes, there'll be a few giants. Yes, there'll be a few walled cities. For us, the giants are mindsets, friends. Victim mindsets. Discouragement, negativity, criticism. Discouragement, sickness, lack. The walled cities that we might be dealing with. Strongholds of fear, of anxiety, of regret of rejection, of dread, of disease. But friends, the walls are coming down. Just like they were enabled, Jesus says the victory is already ours. It's ours. Hallelujah. So what are we doing? We're making quality decisions. We're meditating on truth and replacing every lie with truth, with kingdom reality. We're planting the seeds of the word of God in our hearts. Friends, do you realize that in the Greek, the word is sperma? Yes, S-P-E-R-M-A. Seed, the word of God is sperma. I mean, just even in the physical, every sperm, there's so much potential, so much life in every single sperm, right? Well, that's the way every seed, every word of God is alive with life and power. And we're planting it into the Soil of our hearts. And here's the Holy Spirit, just like at the beginning, hovering, hovering. Another word it used is brooding. It's actually the, the Hebrew, um, this man was teaching on it the other day. He said it's a sexual term. It actually means the hovering of the Holy Spirit. He wants life to come forth. That's God's intention. He wants life to come forth from this word. So we are planting it in our hearts. And when we speak it, when we speak it, when we declare it, we activate that power. Plus, what do we got? We got the angels of God, right? Just hanging around. Just hanging around, waiting. As soon as they hear it, they're moving to activate and get that word to be accomplished in our lives. So... We're training our minds. We're establishing in our hearts the intentions of heaven. And yes, we must consistently and constantly renew our minds of what God says about who we are. What is your personal identity? What kind of I am statements come out of your mouth? We talked about this earlier. I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect. Or I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I'm rejected. Nobody loves me. How about, I'm accepted. I'm more than accepted. I am the favored of the Lord. I'm anxious. I'm worried. I'm pretty concerned. Or, I am full of peace. I'm tired. I'm dragging. (laughs) Those words come out of your mouth this week. Or I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'm stupid and never do anything right. Hopefully you're not saying that. 
I have the mind of Christ. I'm led by the Spirit of Jesus. I'm sick. This is my lot in life. His word is life and health to my entire body. Glory to God. So, friends, we're becoming acutely aware of this battle between truth and lies in regards to who God is and in regards to who we are. And the enemy, of course, is working overtime to get us to doubt the goodness of God. He's not going to be quitting, so you might as well keep meditating on who God is. And the same thing with he's constantly going to be lying to you about who you really are. But we know his tricks, right? So we're ballistically feeding on truth. We're consistently meditating on his words of life. We're putting that living, breathing word of God into our hearts and into our minds. And we're speaking. We're speaking it with our mouth. We're establishing it as a decree. We are prophesying it. Let's prophesy to the dead bones in our life, right? We're calling those things that be not as though they were. We're calling our full inheritance, everything Jesus accomplished. Didn't we just celebrate Easter? Victory over the grave, victory over death, the complete full inheritance that Jesus died for, that he accomplished in the cross and in the resurrection. It's all ours, but we have to activate it, friends. We have to agree with it. We can bring it from the invisible realm into the visible by faith and by speaking it in faith. Now, remember, 90% of what we experience in life, friends, is directed by our subconscious. So that's why I keep talking about these belief systems and these thoughts that we're having. It does matter what we think. The greatest spiritual warfare passage in the Bible is about bringing down belief systems. High things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Do we have that scripture, 2 Corinthians 10.5? We're going to look at it. You all know about the, the one from King James that I just quoted. Bringing down the high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Here's what the Passion Bible says. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that's raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. And here's the phrase I want you to notice. We capture... Like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. So we're bringing our thoughts into alignment with God's high and holy thoughts. Thoughts about God, thoughts about ourselves, and thoughts about others. That's where we're going to focus today. And as well, our circumstances. So, like I said, I want to focus today on this matter of renewing our minds about others. Because God really wants us to have high-level beliefs about other people in our life. And if we're honest, we're going to have to admit that it's a big battle for every one of us in this room. It's a spiritual battle to think high thoughts. God-honoring thoughts about people in our lives. And then to maintain those high thoughts and those high beliefs. It's a constant mental warfare to resist the temptation to think in judgment, to think critically, to think hopeless and negative thoughts. 
Now, I know when we're in church, we all of a sudden feel really holy, and we think, oh, not me. I never do that. I never think critical, negative thoughts about anybody. But just be a little bit honest with yourself, okay? Maybe not other people in the body of Christ. How about your neighbors? How about your coworkers? How about people we connect with on a daily basis? And uh, to be honest, a whole lot of people, including the sons and daughters of the Most High God, don't even bother resisting because they really don't think it matters what they think. I can think anything I want. It's not going to affect my life. That's wrong, friends. It does matter what you think. And I want you to understand that God is calling us up higher. He really does want us to have influence in our life. And I'm telling you, you cannot have influence if you don't have high-level beliefs about people. God wants to have it in us to have an influence on our family, your family, your neighbors, your co-workers. In fact, I strongly believe that every single person we encounter is on purpose. And I'm going to repeat that. I don't think there's an accident. I mean, the minute details of meeting somebody in the hallway, God has all that arranged. People, young people that you might be encountering on your block, where you work, every single person needs you. Every person in your life needs you. Come on, friend, you're carrying Jesus. You're carrying the light of the world. You're carrying the strength of heaven. You are carrying light and love and peace. So I want to ask you to please look at your life from God's perspective. See him looking and saying, yep, yep, I planned for that. Mm. He's going to have coffee with that person. He's going to meet him at the store. I mean, all of this. God means for it to be an opportunity for you to bless to give a living word, a restoring word, a healing word. Let's not conclude, please. I urge you, don't conclude that people, any one person, nobody is unworthy of your time or your attention or your love. Nobody is too busy to connect with or to give that one taste of the glory of God. And I want to urge you not to conclude that a particular person's identity is already set in stone. Like, well, about three years ago, he said, boop, 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 so I'm done with him. Or whatever. Maybe even six months ago, she did this. Ha, huh. I have no more hope. No, we can't decide that people's destinies are set in stone. We have got to be, God's calling us to be agents of change, agents of faith, agents of hope, friends. And that starts with what we think. It starts with what we think. We can't be closing our hearts because then what happens? We fail to have influence in their lives. Uh, I read a little book a, a while back called The Return of the Prodigal. And he wrote this whole book based on this picture, a painting, a very famous painting by Rembrandt, guys. Um, So we have the prodigal who's in rags. 
And you can even just imagine this in your own mind. He's just got, he just returned from the pigsty, so he probably has a smell. He's in rags. He's kneeling at the foot of the father, one shoe on and one shoe off, just begging for mercy. We have the father here with his arms open wide. I mean, he's, he's willing to touch the untouchable. He's extending his mercy, mercy. He's extending his love. And then, of course, we have the elder son off to the side here. What might he be thinking? Ha, who does he think he is? Coming back here after what he did? Ha, I refuse to celebrate. All right, so this guy who wrote this book talks about how all of us are at one point, either one of these three. Hopefully, every one of us have been the prodigal, right? We all know what it's like to ask for mercy, to run back to the Father, to experience his love. But after that, we got to decide, am I going to be the Father? Am I going to be inclusive? Am I going to be merciful? Am I going to be kind? Am I going to be... I mean, he believed in his son. He said, come on, get the best robe in the house. Bring him the ring. Bring him the sandal. You are my son, and I got big plans for you. Or we could all decide to be that elder brother. Ha, we'll just watch and see. I'm not celebrating this. So thank you, Jeremy. We'll just turn the lights up from there. Now, uh, Steve Bachman has this amazing quote that he says, we get saved because we believe like, excuse me, we get saved because we believe in Jesus. But we take on supernatural influence when we believe like Jesus. I'm going to repeat that because this is just an amazing quote. We get saved because we believe in Jesus, but we take on supernatural influence when we believe like Jesus. I mean, just stop and ask yourself, what does Jesus believe about you? Is he sitting there thinking, well, I don't know. I don't know if there's any hope. No, come on. Jesus has high-level beliefs in you. He sees you succeeding. He knows exactly what he put in you. Hallelujah. Friends, if we want to make a difference in people's lives, it all starts with what we think. It starts with what we believe. How do I know if my beliefs about a person are a good belief or not? Well, I'll give you a few, uh, what's the right word, questions to ask. One question, how high is your hope level? Now think about a particular person in your life, maybe one or two that's driving you crazy. <laughs> and ask yourself, where's my hope level? Well, I, if it's way up here, praise God. But if it's down here, like, and you actually get discouraged thinking about them, well, that's a pretty good clue that you need to get some high-level beliefs for that person. What if you find yourself grumbling and complaining? Mm, there's another clue. Start getting some high-level beliefs about that person. Do you keep seeing the bad in people? Friends, I've had to completely retrain my mind. Well, the Holy Spirit. I had to keep asking for help because it was the natural thing for me to see the worst in people. I mean, 
Sorry, I don't even want to go where I used to be because I am a new person in Christ. I am seeing people with love. I want to see the best in people. Again, Steve Bachlin has this quote, he said, where he used to live in Nevada that they had a gold mine where they were hauling all this dirt, hundreds of pounds of dirt every day with all these big trucks. He said nobody ever talked about the dirt. They only talked about the gold. Ooh. And people don't mind you helping them, encouraging them, as long as they know and believe. And listen, friends, people can tell if you believe in them or not. They can tell. Okay, here's another couple questions. Do you find yourself with angry outbursts? Another good clue that you don't have high beliefs. Do you hear yourself cursing them or blessing them? Remember how the angel came to Gideon to kind of set him straight because he wasn't thinking right about himself? Well, God's here today encouraging us, let's start thinking right about other people. Look at Jesus' disciples. How many of those 12 guys would even qualify for a church board today? Not one of them. They weren't qualified. Let's admit it. But Jesus spent time with them, invested in them. His strategy was simple. He believed in them and they turned the world upside down. If you've watched The Chosen, anybody? It's an amazing, amazing portrayal of Jesus' high-level beliefs. I mean, day one when he met Peter, Simon, don't, I mean, surely he could see how brash the guy was and how, I mean, he was unqualified. Let's just admit it. He called him Peter from day one. He said, you will be a rock. Whew, hallelujah, hallelujah. Take David, 400 men, 400 of them. The Bible says that they were all in distress, in debt, and discontent. And I'd like to show it to you from a couple other translations. The BBE puts it like this. Everyone who was in trouble, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was actually supposed to be bitter in soul. Do you know anybody like that? You know how we tend to criticize them and think, well, okay, don't want anything to do with them. They're in trouble. They're so bitter. I'm going to stay far away from them. No, that's not what we want to do, friends. Or here's another translation. This one is um, Message Bible. Look at this. Not only, but all who were down on their luck. Losers. Vagrants and misfits of all sorts. Oh my goodness. And do you realize, this is all 1 Samuel 22 by 2 Samuel. These men have become mighty men. The mighty men of David. And you should just take a, a, a day and study 1 Samuel or 2 Samuel, which chapter is that? I'm not sure. But the Holy Spirit writes down details, absolute details of what these mighty men did, their exploits. God really does care. Now, what, I'm, what I want to suggest to you, friends, is the exploit that God's looking for from us is that we become supernatural influencers in our family, in our place of work, in our community, Let's be agents of change. Let's be agents of faith and agents of blessing. It's such a simple thing, friends, to believe in somebody. And yet, hell is really fighting us on this. Maybe you've noticed. 
Let's be like Jesus. Let's believe in him, but let's go higher and believe like him. And I want to dare you even to take it a step further. What revelation has come to you recently about yourself or about your God? I mean, I'm just going to name two little ones. Like, remember I shared with you before how um, I dealt with rejection all my life and then I came to that verse in Ephesians 1.6 that I'm accepted in the beloved. And then just recently I found out that phrase accepted in the beloved actually means in the same in the Greek it's the same word used for Mary when the Holy Spirit came and said, Hail thou highly favored. Whew. So I'm the highly favored one. What if we took one of those revelations that you've gotten from the Holy Spirit for yourself and start declaring that over that person that's driving you crazy? That one in your family that's like well, you switch verses on me. A misfit. A vagrant. Which actually means tramp, hobo, somebody without a home. Or another revelation that, that's so powerful to me is that the gracious hand of the Lord is upon me. What if we made that simple declaration, friends, over the misfit, the person who's in trouble? So, Father, I thank you so much for speaking today. I thank you for these great men and women of God right here in this place. Thank you for the high-level beliefs that they've come into about you, King Jesus, and about themselves and the greatness within them. Now, help us, Lord, everyone to see the gold and the greatness in others. And please, Jesus, make us to be agents of change in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Enjoy your day. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife@brookings.net. Or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.